You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody. Darren Spindler back with Dan Kennedy. So we are now going to talk about the ultimate marketing plan. So we spent the uh, first part of our day talking all about copy, creating copy and messaging that sells, and now we need to take the copy and put it into some sort of an organized plan or organized effort in order to make sales happen. So Dan, you often will talk about, you know, businesses should have a marketing plan just like they do a business plan, but so few businesses create a marketing plan. Why, why don't they and why should they have one? Well, so most businesses create operating plans because they have to, okay? Uh, it isn't even really that they made such a smart decision. It's that we got to have a checklist for this because I'm tired of telling Barbara when she gets there in the morning, turn the lights on. I keep showing up and she's sitting in the dark, so we got to have a checklist. <laughs> and well, funny joke on that. I mean, the reality is at our restaurant, the first thing on the list is turn the lights yeah, on. Yeah, well, I mean. And second is check the dough balls. So, um, uh, so businesses get operating plans um, uh, assembled out of experience and necessity and you know, this thing went wrong, so now we create a solution for it, and it all kind of gets put into a plan. Overall business plans, most small businesses create one for the bank. That's really when that happens, and it's not really useful for running the business, you know. It's, um, and then last, the marketing plan doesn't happen, because most business owners, see, the people here have such a leg up already, because most business owners do not understand they are in the marketing business. They, they don't get it. If it is explained to them, they don't accept it. And for the most part, that's because if they do understand it, they don't like it and they resent it. <laughs> so there is this huge attitude of uh, entitlement based on um, delivery of value, good products, good services, morality, being a good person, uh, being the best employer in South Wisconsin, um, et cetera, that that is supposed to be enough. It's even worse for people in the professions because they got eight years of school telling them it's supposed to be enough, right? And they're really mad when you try and tell them not only isn't it enough, that's not the business you're in. That's your deliverable. So teeth are your deliverable, right? Psychiatric counseling is your deliverable. It's not the business you're in. You're in the marketing business. So you don't see a lot of marketing plans, particularly at the small business level, because of this. Right? Um, like people buy that book 
and then stomp around mad for a week if they understand it because they don't like that answer to their veterinarian practice. <laughs> it's not what they signed up for. They signed up in their mind, right, to take care of dogs and cats, <laughs> right, not to be a marketer. So you don't see a lot of it because you know of that. When you get past that, um, then you don't see a lot of it because people aren't forced to do it like they are with an operating system. And yet, see, if you understand you're in the marketing business and whatever it is that you're delivering, that you're exchanging for money, is your deliverable. No more, no less, but it's just your deliverable, right? And everybody cringes at this whenever it's said in almost any way. So I remember our conversation. Carlton may remember it because we, we were at the same person in the same place. A longtime professional copywriter matter than hell that Halbert stood up on stage and said you should understand that us copywriters are not in the copywriting business. We're in the self-aggrandizement business. And this guy was deeply insulted that he would lump all copywriters into this horrible characterization. <laughs> right? Of course, he was broke. And Halbert was only occasionally broke. Um, um, and so that made him even madder. Right? But Halbert was telling the exact truth. So your deliverable is one thing. Your business is quite another. And if you accept the fact that you're in the marketing business, then clearly you need a marketing plan. Now, most people think that's like just a calendar and a budget, right? You know, we're going to lay out the calendar for the year, and there's Easter, so we're going to do an Easter promotion, and there's Halloween, we're going to do a Halloween promotion, and our ad budget for the year is this, and that's a marketing plan. Uh, the calendar is part of it. The budget ought not be, uh, because if you do direct marketing, then you don't really want a budget because a budget is a ceiling on what you're going to do. So if you can turn the money over and turn it over ten times, why would you stop at six because of a preordained budget that I will only spend, you know, um, it was just up here telling me on a break, financial advisor managed to, you know, wrangled the Michigan newspapers, um, probably in part because of the virus, for, what did you tell me, a full-page ad in all the Michigan newspapers twice a week? Yeah, $10,000. A month. A month. Ten, ten grand a month, two full pages every week. <laughs> now, but if you had a preset budget, you might not have the 10000 yep. But you'd be an idiot not to take that deal if you could get it at 10000 What's your average client worth to you in first year? 
12,000, <laughs> right? So all they have to produce... E this is easy math. ...has to produce one stinking client a month, right? Say, but if you have a budget, well, we didn't budget for an extra 120 grand a year in newspaper advertising. Well, did you budget for an extra $1.2 million in revenue? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, see that, right? So true direct response people, see, we don't think that way. We think, get a sales letter that works, and then mail the living shit out of it, right? <laughs> Mortgage your house, sleep on a cot, sell the dog, mail, 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 <laughs> right? Get an infomercial that works, buy all the time you can buy within a prescribed price range, right? That's a direct response one. So if you understand you're in the marketing business, you need a marketing plan. The alternative, first of all, is so if you're if in part you're running yourself by checklists and you're using Napoleon Hill's checklist as one of them, then one of the items on Napoleon Hill's list is organized effort. So a lot of people get the effort part. I mean, there's a lot of people who are broke because they expend no effort. But there's a lot of people who don't do well who do expend a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of broke people who work a hell of a lot harder than I do. I mean, we walk through that kitchen, yeah. right? There's no air conditioning in the kitchen, by the way. So the sweat on your food is free. <laughs> um... um if that burger's a little damp. <laughs> um, so, I mean, they're, 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 they're working, working, right? And there's only, I think, three of them, three and they're making the food for everybody. And, I mean, they're running. So it's not that they're not expending effort, but it's not organized to the purpose of advancement, uh, opportunity, wealth, et cetera. So a marketing plan is about organizing your investments of money, of energy, and of resources, including your effort and the effort of others, right? And the key word there is organized, right? So like most people don't, underlying a marketing plan is the whole theory of your business. How does your business work? And how does this thing lead to this thing lead to this thing? You can get Walt's original yep. one online if you Google, I think, Disney Theory of Business. You can get it for free. And most people don't have that either. I always updated mine every year because things change, right? Yep. So here I am at the center of my universe. Now, what are these activities and relationships and how does this one feed this one and feed this one? From that, you even help develop yourself a marketing plan. So the first thing it does, in the same way that a sales letter kind of organizes your thinking as you write it about your business and your presentation of it to the market, what, what am I saying and why am I saying it and what's persuasive and what isn't, a marketing plan organizes your thinking about how you are going to proceed uh, to get the results that you want 
in the marketplace. The second thing that it does is it reduces susceptibility to distraction. So when you have a full-fledged, fleshed-out marketing plan and some new shiny object, some new opportunity presents itself, you are forced to be cautious, if not skeptical, uh, not impulsive, and thoughtful about whether or not to go back and rework your plan to integrate that. If you don't have a plan, you're in danger of reacting to every one of those things when they come along. Oh, oh, there's a big horse show coming to town. We should exhibit it at the horse show. Ah, let's buy a booth. Okay? It's not, let's sit down with our marketing plan. We didn't include horse show, show this year. Maybe we should do it, but where does it fit? What does it connect to? If we have to not do something else, is that a good trade? So it reduces your susceptibility to distraction. It forces kind of a feasibility study for your goals. Oh, we want to increase this year by a million dollars. Great. Let's see how that's going to happen. What's the marketing plan that is realistically going to take your little business from $50,000 last year to a million dollars? You see this on Shark Tank. You know, Robin knows Kevin well, by the way. One of the things that happens on Shark Tank is, and it sets, well, Cuban's an idiot, but the rest <laughs> of them, well, he is. I mean, he's testament to the fact that there is such a thing as luck. Um, uh, but it sets, like, it really sets Kevin off. And it sometimes sets the others off, is... A person will say, "We're gonna. Well, we we've done, you know, a hundred grand so far with this vibrating umbrella, <laughs> and and we're gonna do eight million dollars this year and twenty million dollars next year." <laughs> and they will ask, "How do you plan for that to happen?" The person will answer them with a question about the size of the umbrella market. Right? Oh, the umbrella market is $30 billion, and uh, it's growing like hell in China. And no, 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 what's your plan, right? Well, they don't have a plan, right? So this forces a feasibility study of where is that business going to come from? And then it sets up the possibilities for lifetime measurement. So you know if you're on schedule or off schedule before the accountant tells you at the end of the quarter, right? You know, gee, we were supposed to have X number of leads come in this week from this series of videos. Did we get that number more or less? Gee, from conversations, staff with patients, we were supposed to collect 20 uh, referrals. 
because we need 20 every week, except Christmas and New Year's, in order to hit that part of the marketing plan. Do we have 20 referrals to send our packets out to? No, we got five. Well, that's bad news, because that means next week we need 35. <laughs> say, it, not very long before you ain't catching that, yeah. right? So only a marketing plan sets you up for that kind of measurement. And if you aren't measuring, you are very unlikely to hit your targets. Yeah. So, Dan, why don't we talk a little bit, is this a, you know, a literal day-by-day -day plan we want to set up, or is this a higher view, higher level view of the plan, and how do you plot out the big promotions, the events, the strategies that you want to put into your plan? So, it is, and it isn't. Okay. So, yeah, it is what's going to happen every week, and are we going to do an Easter promotion or not? You know, I mean, the calendar is an important issue in every business, yeah. right? So, if you're in a church business, which my friend Nelson Searcy hates me calling it the church business, but... <laughs> It's a business. Um, that doesn't invalidate its deliverable. I'm just, you know. Um, um, it, 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 so if you're in a church business, right, your number one uh, event during the year for opportunity to acquire new parishioners is Easter. More heathens go to church on Easter than any other holiday. Um, and more referrals come to Easter than any other holiday. That means you got to have your act together about Easter. It's going to be a big thing on your calendar for the year. And you're going to have a marketing plan for Easter. How do we get the most number of people there? What do we title the thing so everybody will come? Um, do we do free gifts? What's our sales letter going to look like to the neighborhood? Are we going to do every door direct mail? Are we going to do radio? Are we going to do a three-step mailing to our parishioners to bring somebody with tickets? Are we going to go after our lost sheep who have <laughs> wandered off? Are we... Easter's got to be a big deal, right? The second thing on their calendar will be Christmas. That's the second time when more heathens come to church and are brought to church during the year. So that's the second biggest opportunity, which means that is almost a business in itself within the business. And you got to plan for it, and you need a full-scale multimedia before Christmas during Christmas, after Christmas thing, right? Now you're going to look at the rest of the year, right? And you're going to start picking the third most important and the fourth most important. But you're also going to have a underlying marketing plan that is kind of your evergreen, plug-away, farming, magnetic marketing, uh, mail, um, the selected 
homes in a geographic territory every month. Maybe it looks like a newsletter, maybe it doesn't, but it, what are we going to do every month to reach out to people and keep telling them we're around and you should come in? And then you need a marketing plan for your secondary product line that you use both to bring new people in and to do more business. He hates that word. Do more business. <laughs> do more business with the ones you already got. So that's that's the business person's group, right? That's the moms with troubled teens group. That's the divorced dads group. That's the all the little special groups. Each one is kind of a business in and of itself, and it needs a marketing plan. So you're going to build this all out for the year. And it's complicated, which it should be, if you're going to be a top church. Um, so you got to embrace the complexity. The good news about that is your competitors won't. They'll put up a cross and a sign and <laughs> pray. That's their marketing <laughs> plan. I'm serious. I mean, it's Nelson's problem, and I understand it. It's more acute with his people than it is with most. They say, hey, we're like God salespeople. He's supposed to deliver the prospects. <laughs> you know? Put the cross up, put the sign up, you know? Get somebody to play the organ, we're good to go. <laughs> and it, 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 it's hard news to them. that That's not how this deal works, you know? It, as it isn't in any other business. So there's five questions, though, about a marketing plan that always has to be considered, right? And a marketing plan now, every business, looks like I just described. So it, there's a marketing plan, and inside it is little marketing plans for little subsets, you know, of the business. And individual products, right, within the bit and so forth. So one is, you know, it has to be built around the messaging. What is the, <coughs> excuse me, what is the best message for this that we can think of? So right now, a lot of businesses are able to capitalize on the, you're free, you're free message. Right? I mean, you don't really, in some businesses, you don't really need any more message than we're open and you don't have to wear a mask. <laughs> there they are. Right? Um, downtown Cleveland, the restaurants are full. Nobody did any marketing. You know, they just opened. Um, and you didn't have to sit outside in a plastic tent. Um, <laughs> in the snow. You actually can come in to the bar. Oh, holy shit. But that'll wear off, right? Right now, new customers. Yep. Customers come back. Right? Now, are you organized to capture them and get them to come back? What's the best message? So you got to think about messaging. Um, you got to think about who you're targeted to. And again, the fundamental of message to market match never goes away. 
in marketing plan or in, mar in sales letter or in broadcast or whatever. So, like, you'll see really dumb big companies. They're running the same ad on Fox and MSNBC. <laughs> and I think, what is wrong with you? There's, like, hardly any overlap in this audience, except, you know, the people that watch one to get pissed off, <laughs> right? So, I mean, like, I click into MSNBC for 15 minutes every once in a while, just, you know, because I think my blood pressure's getting low. <laughs> and I think, well, fuck, I'll just, I'll watch MSNBC for a while, boom, it's right back up. But, but for the most part, there's no overlap in that audience, right? So your message ought to be tweaked to acknowledge that, yep. right? So those two things have to fit together, right? So again, I'll use Nelson's example. He would tell you, you got a message to the unchurched differently than to the used to be churched, right? That's two different audiences, right? And you lose power when you don't consider that. So your marketing plan has to include what, what audience are we going to uh, go to? And now we may be marketing the same thing to all of them, but, and the plan may be the same. Okay, we're going to start with a five-step lead generation campaign. Then we're going to send them a big package of stuff. Then we're going to drive them to a phone call. Then we're going to get it right. But like Rory Fett, restaurant marketing systems, boot camp stuff is laying here. And what I gave you are the generic pieces. Everybody got those. But then, as you well know, the folks that own pizza places, Diff they're a different audience than the people that own steakhouses. And telling them no business is different, Netwit, and, uh, <laughs> it, 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 that's less effective than pandering and delivering a message that's matched to them. And there's a slight bit of legitimacy to their idea mm -hmm. that it's different, right? Yep. So that whole marketing plan for the annual convention included, here's the big generic messaging we're going to do to everybody. Now here's how we're going to deliver it. Now here's how we're going to cut the market up. And how are we going to cut it up? Pizza store owners, high-end sit-down um, um, Asian, Chinese, Japanese restaurant, yeah. Korean, etc. Um, um, Italian. Okay, so I think we had eight or nine. I don't remember now. So you now cut it up that way, right? And now you look at it. You say to yourself, "Okay, so now what are the specific pieces, specific messages we're going to deliver just to the Italian restaurant?" owners, and we're either not going to deliver that at all to the steakhouse guys, 
or it's going to be the sixth thing we say to the steakhouse guys, and it's going to be the first thing we say to the sit-down Italian guys, and that's all part of your plan, right? So those are two questions is messaging and targeting. Then your marketing plan has to incorporate now. How do we reach them? Um, in some cases, that, for example, something like a conference, um, I often design three waves of reach. Here's what we're going to do, and we're going to call it our, our early bird campaign to people who know us. And we'll go so far as to say we don't even know everything that's going to happen. We know this is going to happen, and we know this is going to happen. We don't even know everything we're going to do. But it's going to be cool, and you know it's going to be cool because you know us. And if you sign up on that basis so we don't have to send you all the other stuff, uh, you can save X. And, you know, so it's your campaign. Then you got the main campaign. Then you got the campaign you hope you don't have to use. <laughs> but you got it ready. You've at least schemed it if you haven't built it. So what happens if by this date we should have been at 300 and we're at 100? When does the campaign we hoped we never had to use kick in? For events, that would be stuff like the, the driving distance letter, usually with a, uh, a, a, a gas card, 25 bucks worth of gas, uh, or a little... Uh, matchbox car or whatever and it would only go to people within a day's drive of the location of the event and we say hey you you dummy you could drive over here that's how close we are to you and people are coming from Japan you know <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself and so there's that campaign there's the bid uh, okay you don't like the price bid and we're going to take the 10 highest bids, whatever they are, and let people in. There's the pay us what you think it was worth afterwards campaign. I mean, I've used them all. <laughs> are we going to put telesharks on the phones? Are we not going to put telesharks? So there's the third thing of what happens if we're in trouble, right? And you really have now three marketing plans, right? And they all involve how are we going to reach them? Are we going to mail? Are we going to FedEx? Are we going to send messengers? Are we going to FedEx the A part of the list, priority mail the B part of the list, and only mail the C part of the list, and only email the D part of the list, right? Um, there's an issue often, who's more important to have, like here? lifers or somebody that's never been to an event before and now how do you weight the money into the deliverables to get whichever one you want right the fourth thing about a marketing plan is the issue of effectiveness and efficiency okay so there's always the question of realistically what can you get done and i've always had this issue as a consultant and a copywriter with clients there's no point in me creating strategy or stuff that I know this person or this company 
does not have the bandwidth or the discipline or the brains to implement, right? It's pointless. So there's an issue of what can you and will you do, and that gets to efficiency, right? Is you have to be able to, you have to be able to have things you can do efficiently. If you create things that you can't do efficiently, then you won't do them. On the other hand, you don't want to sacrifice effectiveness um, for efficiency. So if you have staff, your operations people will always be telling you the 56 reasons why you can't do that. Uh, you can't do it by the time you want to do it. Um, and if you can, you can't do it for the cost you say you're going to do it for. And if you can do all that, you can't do it without us not doing six other things you need us to do. They will always, you know, my father, God rest his soul, when he worked for me, anytime there was anything new to do, that was the conversation. <laughs> you can't do it. And we'd run through these four things, right? <laughs> and your answer has to be, well, I'm going to find somebody who doesn't have those four problems, right? Because uh, we're doing it, right? Um, they all came back to Henry Ford and said, we can't build the engine. Ford said, back in the factory, build the engine. So you can't let operations run things, but run marketing. But on the other hand, you can't design a marketing plan that you can't get implemented. Now that means usually a mix of your internal resources. Here's what we can do, right? Your external resources, vendors, uh, copywriters, printers, mailers, yeah. list managers, etc. And that's who do we know? And if we don't know anybody, who do we know who will know somebody worth a recommendation. So you kind of build this little circle, you know, around you of uh, people with capabilities you don't have, right? And sometimes you got both, right? The A-level stuff is done internally. The C-level stuff is outsourced. Um, uh, sometimes, I mean, we've had both over the years. I've had times when I have had a graphic artist right there. And you could run in, and here's what we're going to do. And I've had times where it all had to be outsourced. Each has its pros and its cons, right? And then the last is, what is your uh, method of measuring how you're doing with your marketing plan? Because a plan without measurement um, is no good, right? Because if you, um, if you have only um, uh, trailing indicators, 
that tell you how you did. That, that's why the head coach is there for the whole game. Okay? He doesn't show up, start everybody, and come back at the end of the game to find out how we did. Even with pros, things would go awry. Right? No, he's there making adjustments, minute by minute, play by play, moving this guy over here, benching this guy, Okay, don't throw to him anymore because he's dropped three. Uh, and, but we don't have anybody to replace him, so we're just going to use him for a decoy. Throw to him, right? He's slower in mud, but he catches everything, right? They're, they're doing that as they, you know, as they go along. Because they know how many yards they got a game per play. They know they got all these measurements, right? And you got to have the same thing. The more you measure, the more success you get. It's that simple. It's why I said Weight Watchers works because you count and you get on a scale. It's that simple. And every time they deviate from that, it, it doesn't work. Uh, and so you got to figure out as you build your plan, how are we going to know today is the plan working? Not three weeks from now. Did the plan work, right? Dan, why don't we talk just briefly before uh, we move to a different topic, but the, the triangles, the market message media triangle. Is any one more important than the other? And where do people make a mistake? So one of the examples we share with our bullying clients all the time is the radio rep comes in and sells them $5,000 worth of radio because she's a good-looking lady and they're like, sounds like a good idea but they forgot that they should actually know what they might want to sell first before they go choose where they well, want to place this. They didn't have a plan at all. And yeah, a lot of media gets bought because there are people that sell media. Okay? Uh, and a lot of media doesn't get used because there's like no reps for it. <laughs> right? So... There really is no sales force for sales letters. <laughs> you know, there's this printer over here who talks to his people about it, but there's no national sales force. There's no organized uh, 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 seller of sales letters. There is of radio in every market, right? So a lot of radio gets bought because radio gets sold. And a lot of other things doesn't get bought. It doesn't go in the plan, in other words, because nobody sold it to them. So you could very easily be media-driven out of the three things on that triangle, right? I mean, like, I used to get these cast-offs from Guthy Ranker. Mostly I dreaded the referrals. Uh, um, but Greg had figured out this was his way out of directly frustrating like a neighbor or somebody who played golf, you played golf with, whatever. So they would be palmed off on me to come for a day of consulting 
saying, we want to do an infomercial. So they predetermined the media, in other words. Then when you looked at the product and you looked at the math, you knew what Greg already knew. The last thing they need to be doing is an infomercial. Like, I had a guy, Greg didn't send him to me, but I had a guy who got really mad. Oh, he came from Halbert. He's probably still pissed off. It's a fabulous product, by the way. It's fireproof paint. So if you paint your house with this shit, it can't burn. And he wants to do direct response. I said, you can't. It costs like $5,000 to ship it. It's heavy. You're going to ship somebody enough of this paint to paint their entire house? You know, Ron Peel's joke used to be that the shipping and handling number was the actual cost of the product. That's how he determined. Well, he did. Ron Peel, the cooking gadget guy, you know, how much is shipping and handling? Shipping and handling plus the actual manufacturing cost of the product. That's how we do the math. Well, if you apply the math to this product, right, I mean, no, you, you got you got to sell this through a distribution channel of some kind, home improvement contractors, somebody who you could ship a big supply of it to in a truck. You can't be sending this like Amazon, you know, and have <laughs> the drone drop the paint in the back. This is not going to work. So, you know, I sat there and said, you can't, no, you can't do an infomercial. Unless you set up a distribution channel and you want to use TV to drive to the, and the guy's mad, and he's been mad ever since, and you know. So a big mistake people make is they get media-focused. It happens now, of course, with online, because right? that's what's in front of them all the time. And if they are young and they hang around only with young, they're their media world is in the device, right? And because they don't use the yellow pages, they either think nobody uses the yellow pages or they don't know what the yellow pages is. What the hell are you talking about? Well, it's this book. <laughs> they drop it off in the driveway and, um, and they, you know, at a certain age level, they look at you like, we, we, we You're just, nuts. We just right? found a thick yellow pages from the 1980s at the condo I just bought, and Marco and Molly on the team happened to be at the condo working a couple days, and <laughs> Molly, here's the... Yeah, this is here. this thick. <laughs> well, I used to have... Um, oh, this is awful. I can't think of her name, but she was in Titanium for two years, and she was... Oh, Brittany. Brittany, yeah. <laughs> you used to have to stop, like... 20 times during a meeting because you could see the blank look on her face to the reference <laughs> and you would have to stop and explain well you know a record is it's made out of plastic and it, you know it's kind of like a CD but it's well, bigger. Well today you have to do that yeah. they're back and they're back. They're back. They're back. Um, so they'll get media focused right now the Yellow Pages is still a very profitable media for a lot of businesses it doesn't produce the same volume of response, but in ROI terms, like for lawyers, it's actually highly productive and profitable. So p 
people will screw this up because they'll make the media choices first, and then they'll make the other choices, right? Your, your media has to be mostly driven by your chosen market. So this is about how do they buy? How do they prefer to buy? Um, how do they, see like, you run a preview seminar, I used to do it all the time, free evening preview seminar for dentists and chiropractors. We started at seven o'clock at night, right? And told them it was seven to nine and we really went seven to 9.30. That gave them time to, finish the office, grab something to eat, get to the meeting. If I'm running financial advisor free evenings for 60 plus, okay, I'm, I may be starting at 5.30. That's when they go to the buffet, right? I mean, at 9 o'clock, they're in bed, <laughs> right? It's over. What are you talking about? Okay. Uh, old people TV, Johnny Carson's on it, the Johnny Carson reruns on at 10 o'clock. It ain't on at 11 o'clock. It's on at 10 o'clock, because that's like max of it, you know? There's not a 70-year-old on the planet who knows who Jimmy Kimmel is. I mean, who? What? So you now got to understand your market, and your media has to match your market, right? And that's a real important side of the triangle then message has to connect with the two, right? The message has to be something you could deliver in the media that is on your chosen list. So, for example, if it takes, if it takes 28 minutes to explain this product to you, I can't use one-minute spots because do not match. I might be able to use a one-minute spot just to get a hand raised to then deliver 28 minutes somehow. So your media has to match with your message, and they have to match with the market. And, um, well, I mean, look, if you're going to market to Seventh-day Adventists, what day can't you have a meeting, Right? When I was a kid, Greg, are you still here? Yes. I don't know if I've ever told you. When I was a kid, when my dad had owners, racehorses, we had, the, we had an owner, two horses, and two good ones. They would then have raced normally on Saturday night at Northfield. And he was a Seventh-day Adventist. Therefore... He thought his horses were Seventh-day Adventists. <laughs> I mean, this argument was going on in the barn. No, 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 no. No, the horse's name is, you know, Irish Prince. No, he's Catholic. I swear to you, he's Catholic. <laughs> we can race the horse. You, you, you know, you won't go to hell, but he needs to race Saturday night. That's where the money is. Oh, no, we can't race this horse on Saturday night. But, you know, so... There is no side of the triangle that's more important than the other side of the triangle. They've all got, that's, they all got to fit together. Yeah. And 
The secret about that is the tighter the match, the better the results. Carlton will no doubt tell you is left-handed, one-armed golfer, one-legged golfer story, right? Well, I mean, if you could get a list of one-legged, left-handed golfers, and you got a product specifically for what, how do you screw that up, (laughs) right? I mean, how good does a sales letter have to be? Not Not very, (laughs) right? Uh, So the tighter this matches, the better the results, the more price or fee elasticity there is. Um, and most, in most cases, the less skill you need to get great results. Um, it took top talent to sell 50, 60, 80 dollar pillows to everybody. It doesn't take top talent when you have a tight match, right? And matching to susceptibility matters. So um, if you have a DUI practice, anybody who gets a license pop for a DUI has a problem. Spouse has to drive them to the bar. Um, <laughs> you see, you can't do those jokes anymore. <laughs> you just, I, I just threw out, I just threw out my original joke file. Uh, uh, it was put together in the 1970s, and I just chucked, problematic. Isn't I it? chucked the whole time. It's <laughs> like nothing you can use. I mean. I got Milton Burles, fifty six hundred jokes. You can't, you know. I mean, there used to be a pile of drunk jokes. You know, it was like, uh, you know, he said to the judge, "Well, if I can't drive drunk, how am I supposed to get to work?" I mean, so you, but you can't do that joke. Everybody gets pissed off. Um, what the hell was I talking about? <laughs> now I got lost. <laughs> now I got lost. Uh, well, um, that's all right. I think we oh, had that. So a DUI attorney, anybody that gets their license popped, it's an issue, right? But for a truck driver, a UPS driver, a FedEx driver, it's a much bigger issue because his livelihood's being taken away. Now, if you have a way to get them, or you will specifically advertise for them, you start to build this tight triangle, right? We talked about testimonials earlier. So your sales letter to to professional drivers who have a DUI problem would be full of testimonials from professional drivers who you manage to keep their license for them, and there would be no other testimonials in there because they don't matter, right? So you get to start to match everything, and then you start to get big slam dunks. Dan, this actually ties into this tight market message media match, but the unique selling proposition, um, it's something that many members struggle with why they need one, how to develop it, and why does it 
need to be developed for your marketing plan? So you'll get a little less hung up if you broaden the range a little. So we've always taught USP, again, because you fall into the teaching of dogma and people want simple certainty. So we all start to sell simple certainty. So USP comes from Ross or Reeves if you want trivia. So you can broaden this a little and come all the way out to differentiation okay, and work back in from there. So differentiation is simply the challenge of having a legitimate reason to exist because there's enough of everything. There's already enough of it. There's enough places to buy shoes. There's enough places to buy pizza. God knows there's enough places to buy pizza. <laughs> there's enough coffee shops. There's enough haircutting places. There's enough car dealers. There's, there's no shortage of anything now except workers, <laughs> thanks to Biden. <laughs> um, but there's no shortage of anything. There isn't even a shortage anymore out in the middle of nowhere. I mean... There's like three cattle ranches, and right in between them is a Starbucks. <laughs> so, and if there is a shortage of anything, Amazon can get it to you in two hours. <laughs> so, you've got to have a legitimate, differentiated reason to exist. Right? That can be about you. It can be about them and why you're perfect for them. It can be about your product or about your service. Um, uh, it can be about your hours. Aspen Dental is now, in many areas, they're 24. So we're open all night. We're open on Saturdays. We're open on Sundays. Now. This is like, you know, going to the ER on Sunday night. You know, you're being treated by the Korean gynecologist who is now going to look at your broken arm. But I actually, this, this is real. So this, so um, I think Carla went to take care of the dog. Carla, I think you're here? correct. Okay. So my first marriage. Um, <laughs> to be clear, the chair is empty, so you're... Just make it, up your own a... joke. Go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, so my first marriage, um, I was still a drinker, and there were reasons. Um, um, so uh, wedding night, the bar, I tended bar in for fun at that point on weekends, held our reception. And, I mean, I was already sloshed when I got there. But, <laughs> and Dave bought the cheapest supplies you could buy. So you'll appreciate this. Like, glasses, you could buy sturdy glasses, not-so-sturdy glasses, <laughs> glasses that are barely held together. 
So this part of the story shortened. I wind up chewing through a glass. <laughs> and I have shards of glass in my throat. Um, and so I got to go to the ER. So I go to the ER. And there's a Vietnamese doctor. Barely speaks English. Right? Nice guy, but, you know, Vietnamese barely speaks English. I get out of him, okay? he's a medical student, okay? studying to be a gynecologist, I swear to God. <laughs> he's in my throat, getting glass out, you know. Um, this, this was a sign. Um, <laughs> um, so, what's your next question? <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about uh, one of the secret weapons is being clearly understood. So, you know, there's five steps to a buying decision. Um, why don't we chat a little bit about those five? So as an overarching comment, almost everybody errs because of the familiarity of what they do to them, Right? So they're not clearly understood when they think, well, everybody knows that. And no, everybody doesn't. So you got to get that out of the way, right? You want to take no understanding for granted. Better, so like, I tell the dentist, the chiropractors, you still need a little map in your sales letter, your coupon, your brochure that shows where you are and shows that you're behind the pancake house because everybody knows where the pancake house is. Yes, yeah. I, I know there's goddamn GPS. Don't tell me there's <laughs> GPS. I understand there's GPS, but people like to know where you are referenced to common places they go in town. So having said that, yeah, there's five basic steps to a decision, right? So number one, somebody has to have awareness of a need um, uh, or desire or both, right? So, um, so like you probably don't have, and the business is a shadow of its former self, but so how many of you have smoke detectors in your house? You have to tell me. Most it should the, be everybody. Most, most of the crowd. It should be everybody. It's pretty right? much most of the okay. crowd. I won't say everybody, but maybe if you're just lazy. All right. How many of you have heat detectors? Uh, tell me about the hands. About I can't 10%. Really? So somebody that's got heats, when did you get them and how did you get them? Why do you have them? Huh? Who's oh, they there? came with the house. Okay, so, but hardly anybody has heats. There's a reason for that is that the heat sales force kind of dried up and most people don't know they need them. Right? They don't have an awareness of need. So let me give you some quick information. If you walk around here to look up, you're going to see a sprinkler system. And at the end of the sprinklers, there's going to be a little doohickey. Yep. Okay? 
and that pops off, and the sprinklers come on and flood this place if there's a fire. Okay, that's what they're there for. They're not activated by smoke detectors. They're not hooked to the smoke detectors. They're heat detectors. Well, they might go off in the uh, kitchen. Because, well, <laughs> because, it, well, my first wife knew when dinner was done when the smoke detector went off. Um, 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 so 70% of fires reach the heat that will kill you before they generate enough smoke to set off a smoke detector. Now, nobody tells you that because there's nobody selling heats anymore, and they're expensive compared to smoke detectors, but the smoke detector as protection is a big lie. Uh, you will die in a home fire before the smoke detector ever goes off from the heat and the flames. So a home heat detector works like this. It's got the same little doohickey on the end, but when the heat causes it to go off, it pops off, and it was connected to a coiled metal spring inside a metal can. That's what a heat detector is. And now it unwinds and bangs like hell. It's a great high-tech device. <laughs> it bangs like hell against the can, and it wakes you up, and they're like 800 bucks a piece. So you don't have a heat because nobody has made you aware of the fact that you're less than 50% protected by your smoke detectors. So if you don't have awareness of that need, you, you're not going to buy heat. Nobody's going to sell you a heat detector. Okay, so the first step is you got to be aware of need or desire. If you sell fruit and vegetable-based nutritional supplements like the one on TV, or like Neutralite from Amway, which is what I eat, you can't sell that unless you make people aware of the fact that the soil is depleted and that you can eat all the vegetables you want, but you're only getting about 20% of the nutritional value from them that you should because we've ruined all our soil. Okay. Well, if, if I don't tell you that story, say, what do you need a vegetable pill for? I eat vegetables. I have a salad every day, right? So that's the first step, right? Then you got to get people to fundamentally accept the category of thing that meets the need or the desire, right? So if you're aware that you are one step away from burnout and quitting your job and growing a David Letterman beard and disappearing into the woods never to return again, and you're aware that you need a vacation. Now, whoever's going to start to win that argument has to convince you that their category of vacation is the best answer for you. <clears throat> Cruise, trip to the islands, trip to the mountains, vacation with a social activities director and a ton of stuff to do, or a vacation where everybody's going to leave you the hell alone, what, what type of thing um, answers your need or desire? We had a longtime member, he was a coaching group of mine for many years, who was in the Russian brides business <laughs> for American men. 
at a high price level. Um, the, the awareness of the need uh, was like third divorce. <laughs> um, and the sweet spot guys were long haul truck drivers as number one. Um, I won't go through the whole thing for the sake of time, but um, so the first step is they decided they could easily be convinced that they needed something other than an American woman because they're all the same and they're unmanageable. <laughs> and, well, thank God from your standpoint, um, uh, this is a matter of perspective. Um, um, so then, now what's the solution to that? Well, it could be celibacy, it could be uh, change your gender identity, it could be, you know, it could be move to another country, it could be Japanese, it could be, so now he's got to narrow them a little to, the answer is a foreign bride who hasn't been ruined by America, <laughs> and the best of those are Russians, and here's why, right? And then your third thing then is that you're the best source of this category of thing that meets the need or desire. Now, a lot of people screw this up because they're on number three before they've done number one or number two. They assume it, right? But again, unless you're at a commodity level, garden hose broke, I need a garden hose. Carburetor's dead, need a carburetor. If you're not at a commodity level, you can't really jump these steps. <laughs> and a lot of people jump the step. They start selling what they got before they've done step one and step two. And their whole plan starts with step three, right? That's where they start. The fourth thing then is your, the sources. Now we're back to uh, differentiated argument. The source's unique selling proposition. The source's unique value proposition. What's your case? So there's all sorts of places you can get a Russian bride, by the way. There's ads in USA Today that for $9 you get a list. You can go on Facebook. You can, it's all over the place. Right? So he's got to now at this point make the case that I'm the best source for you, and here's why, right? Then you finally get to reasons to buy and buy now. So now you get to actually make and close a sale, right? Now your marketing plan has to accommodate this process almost every time you run people through a sale, even if they're your customers and you're going back to them with something different for the fifth time. You, you got to start back with step number one. 
and you got to get agreement to a need or a desire, right? So I have a client right now who sells to an industry that is so awash in business, you know, their problem is labor. Their problem is not advertising, marketing, selling. People are standing outside the doors, banging on them with bags of money. So trying to sell them marketing, tough, <laughs> tough, because they won't agree to number one. I don't need it. So you're now making this argument that, yeah, you don't need it now, but things are going to normalize, and you want to be ahead of it. It's a cheap argument because yeah. it's a prevention kind of argument, right? So you've got to get agreement to number one. Then you've got to get agreement to number two. Then you get to start dealing with you and getting agreement to that. So, Dan, before we take a, a quick break, certainly one of the, the big marketing things you mentioned earlier today and after the break, we'll, we'll share some of the Rory Fat stuff. Um, but is... I've got other stuff, too. There's the, the, Kimball stuff. There's lots of goodies. So one of the sins is being boring. Why don't you talk about how are a couple of ways that you can make your marketing and your marketing plan not boring, and where do you find uh, tools to kind of build some excitement into the marketing plan? So it's not hard to know what is boring, right? Um, and the biggest thing is um, sameness, me tooism. So an enormous amount of marketing is me too a little bit better. Me too, a little bit cheaper, right? Um, and I've seen it done all my life in every imaginable kind of business. It's commoditizing for one thing. Um, when I lived in Phoenix, because a lot of conventions happen in Phoenix, speakers actually moved to Phoenix thinking that the argument that would get them booked a lot was, you don't have to pay travel expenses to bring a speaker into your convention because I'm here in Phoenix. Right? It doesn't work for all sorts of reasons. Number one, if that's the best thing you got to say about you, <laughs> right, is have me come speak to your audience because I can drive across town. I mean, <laughs> you know. Uh, secondly, it's commoditizing, right? And third, um, it, it, there's no differentiation to that other than availability and all of us in almost everything we buy have this perverse idea that it not being easily available makes it more valuable. So it, 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 all the conventions at Phoenix, we used to see each other. Everybody's flying in from somewhere else to speak at them and Hopkins and me and everybody lives in Phoenix, we're getting on airplanes to go to where they live to speak at conventions in their cities. That's just the way it works. So you've got to not be the same as. You can't be me too. Somehow you have to stand out. And if you're at it for a long time, whatever your it is, you are going to have to keep the core of what works and you are going to have to kind of repackage around it because what was 
interesting or what was entertaining or what was exciting um, wears out, right? It gets tired. Now, if you're running new customers through all the time, then it doesn't matter. But if you're marketing a lot in the same community or the same industry or to the same ongoing customers, then it matters a great deal. So, again, like any event business, for example, the super conference, the core of it never changed in, I don't know, 20 years. But every year's super conference was made different, yeah. right? It had a different... The circus had to be different every... It had a different selling proposition. It had a different value proposition. It had a different theme. It had a different chief reason to be there. It had... A, the guts of it were the same, but you had to jazz it up in a different way or people were quickly bored with the idea, oh, another one, I'll skip a year because what's the big deal? So you got to have an answer to that, which is for some reason it's got to be a big deal. Um, I worked for three years. Uh, with an organization that did essentially a three-day super conference every weekend. And we had three to 5,000 people there every weekend. 50% from the same customer group, 50% new. So every Monday was the discussion of how are we going to make this weekend a one-time only, <laughs> will never happen again, history in the making event, 50 times this year. <laughs> and there's like eight of us in a room every Monday morning after doing the weekend event going, holy crap, what, what's your idea? I don't know. What's, we'll do it in the nude. No, I don't think that's it. I mean, but that's what you got to do, right? So you've got to be the opposite of me too, been there, done that, same as, right? So, like, Angelus' dental practice is a great example. Gardner's Mattress Store, you said he was here, is a yep. great example, right? They've got features to a store that are unique or maybe copied in other areas, but unique in their market. And uh, they have a story to tell. And... Um, they have a different buying experience, right? So if you look at, so we just had Memorial Day, right? Which really should be renamed Mattress Day. <laughs> we, should just, we should just give up, right? You come to the mattress parade and then you go buy, you go buy mattress. I mean, this is a good idea for right. them not to be boring. I we mean, at just, least the Mattress Day weekend uh, you know, parade well, in whatever city they're in. Um, but it's all the same. Look at all the advertising. It's Memorial Day sale, which now is a month long. <laughs> um, Memorial Day sale, biggest sale of the year, mattresses. We have mattresses, right? I can almost do them, right? You get a queen for the price of a twin. You get a king for the price of a queen. 
you get 812 months with no interest financing, <laughs> which, which, by the way, if you need 72 months to pay for a mattress, the mattress is not going to solve your sleeplessness or your sexlessness. You have bigger problems. You have bigger problems than the mattress is going to solve. But, and there's doorbuster sales, and you get a free pillow. Okay? There's your mattress advertising. Well, yeah, everybody gets their market share, I guess, but they don't even know what the hell's happening. And the customer is like, mattress commercial. They can't tell you at the end of an evening's TV. They can't tell you what mattress store was. They, they can't. They can't do it. Right. So you're down to competing for the person who is already 90% of the way there by necessity to go buy a mattress, right? And because they'll overcome the boredom, you know, because they're sleeping on the floor. But uh, it's no way to stand out, to stand apart, to stand above. And that's what differentiation is all about. So these guys have figured it out, right? And, I mean, they're smart, but it's not like they're nuclear physicists. Uh, they've figured it out. Here's what, I mean, it's a simple process. Here's what everybody else does. So everybody's going to be bored with that because everybody else does it. So we're not going to do that. What does that leave us with? What now, if we're not going to do any of that, what are we going to do, yeah. right? And you're going to wind up in a different place by sheer process of elimination. This month uh, in the newsletter, I believe, uh, I highlight another mattress person in the Renegade Millionaire, the Mattress Mac. So I'm sure you're familiar. But his, of course, his marketing is not boring. Uh, he places bets when you, you know, for the Super Bowl, he's placed bets. Kentucky Derby. Kentucky he's Derby. So he's found a way to stand out and be interesting. So with that, Dan, we're going to go to a 20-minute break. And then when we come back from break, we're going to share some of Rory's stuff, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about target marketing. You've been listening to one of our gold members-only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a Diamond member and get access to the Diamond members-only podcast as well. On top of that, you'll also get access to the whole enchilada with all of Dan's courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to Diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.